Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. You know this message that you're about to hear. I pray that it not only inspires you, but encourages you to follow Jesus even more. In fact, there are probably people in your life who need to hear this timely word. Chances are you're thinking about them right now. Share this message with them. And listen, if you're watching on YouTube, let me encourage you to hit subscribe, stay tapped in. You know, I also wanna take the time to thank all those who support us. We wouldn't have any ministry outside these four walls if it weren't for our friends who come alongside us in prayer and supporting us financially. You know, there are thousands, there are thousands who are benefited by this ministry because of your giving, and we thank you. To continue or to even start supporting our mission to help others and their families follow Jesus, you can give by visiting cfmiami.org slash give. We also wanted to update you on something important. Recently, our on-demand services will be available starting Sunday evenings. To catch the entire service, be sure that you're logging onto our live streams when we begin services Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Otherwise, you'll be catching the service midway through. Enjoy the sermon. Well, hey, everybody. It's Pastor Omar here. And earlier this year, I introduced to us a brand new initiative called Be a Blessing. And what Be a Blessing is all about is that we would come alongside different families in our city who are hurting, who are under-resourced, and not only serve them once, but serve them throughout the year at various times. So for example, at the beginning of the school year, we would provide for their children backpacks full of school supplies, and also raise money through Caring for Miami to ensure that they're fed through the entire school year. During Thanksgiving, we would come to the same family and bring a Thanksgiving meal so that they can enjoy Thanksgiving just like you and I. During Christmas time, we would also come alongside of them and ensure that their children have gifts so that they can experience the same thing that our children experience and provide any other things that they need during the holiday season. And even to the new year, even up to think up to Easter time, listen, we would come alongside of them and if there's ever a need, if there's ever a tragedy that ensues, they know that there's a group of people that loves them, prays for them, and is there to support them. And so I wanna take the time to update you on where we're at on Be A Blessing. You all ready? All right. So up to this point, you have signed up to minister to 342 different families. Amazing, right? And not only that, but we've been able to raise over $61,000 to ensure, through Caring for Miami, that they have food through the entire school year. And so listen, if you are a small group that signed up, uh, or maybe an individual family that you signed up for Be A Blessing, thank you so much uh, for rising to the challenge and being part of this amazing initiative. I am so confident that God's gonna use you throughout the year to not only meet their physical needs, but more importantly, their spiritual needs. And by the way, if you signed up, in the next few weeks, you're gonna get an update and all the information of your specific family so that you can begin to reach out to them and begin to form that relationship that will go the entire year. Now, if you're a small group or a family, an individual family that has enough resources to bless another family, but you have not signed up yet, listen, it's not too late. Simply go to cfmiami.org slash be a blessing fill out that form, and then we will get in touch with you and get you squared away, all right? Well, in Christ Fellowship, thank you so much for your passion and your love for the Lord. It shows in the way that you rise up to the, to the challenge and that you want to be a blessing to so many families in our city, all right? Love you all. Hey, how many of you at all of our campuses are glad that your Savior set you free? Come on, let them hear it. Yeah, man. Hey, can we encourage our bands across all campuses right now? Come on. Hey, thank you so much, guys. Okay, welcome. It is always a great day when we come to worship God together. Well, welcome, everyone. My name is Zomar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And uh, congratulations to all the families who dedicated their little, little children. Can we encourage them as well that we are blessed to be on this journey with you? And uh, today we are actually on our second week of a series called Set Free. And uh, it's a study through the book of Exodus. And so, man, I'm ready and excited to dive into God's Word. I hope you are as well. And so wherever you find yourself, let's turn our Bibles to, he uh, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. And you can follow along with me as I read, all right. Let's do what God's Word says. And one day... When Moses had grown up, 
he went out to his people and what, church family? Yeah, and looked, right, he saw on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. And then listen to what it says on, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. It is by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of what, church? Sin. Of sin. In other words, we all come to those defining moments in our lives to flee the, the fleeting pleasures of sin. Amen? That is God's word. You can go into casino, everybody, at all campuses. Again, it's good to have you here today. Now, family, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, about 20 years ago, back when I was in college, uh, the Lord had begun to really, the Lord had begun to really work in my heart. And I knew that God was calling me not to stay in the same place, but to really fully surrender and start following Him with all of my heart. And I remember, though, that even though God was already working in my heart, I still wanted to go out with my friends and have fun, right? Fun. And so whenever I would go out with my old friends, uh, I would try to have fun, but deep down in my, in, in my heart, I was already feeling convicted about some of the things that I was doing. Now, during this season, uh, a good friend of mine from college, who was one of my, my closest friends during that time, uh, he was getting married, so his best friend decided to throw him a bachelor party. Yeah, and we all know what goes on in bachelor parties. It's what it entails. So I was invited, and even though I knew that's not where God was leading me, calling me to, right, I still did not want to offend him. So I, so I thought to myself, you know what, I'm just going to go there for just a little bit, and then I'll leave, right? I'm just going to go there just not to insult my good friend. Now, folks, follow me here. Because a day came where I went to this party, and I remember it was a hotel in Ocean Drive on, on, on South Beach. And folks, the moment I got there, it was about midday, all the guys were already on, in the pool, and they were already drinking. And so I'm thinking, whoa, these guys are starting to drink pretty early on. And folks, fast forward, by the, by the, by the early evening, all these guys were already trashed. Yeah, they were already heavily drunk. They were already just, you know, going crazy. And I was almost like a babysitter, which is trying to kind of manage the whole situation. And somewhere along the line, the girl, some girls got there, and don't worry, they didn't take off their clothes or anything. If they did, I was long gone by then, all right? But folks, something happened that in the middle of this whole thing, my good friend who I really love, somehow, way, passed out in the middle of this hotel room, half naked, and it was just such an odd scene. And folks, listen, that was a defining moment in my life. And here's why. Because when everyone around me was just having such a great time in their mind, they're having a blast, this is the greatest thing, they're having such a, a, a great time. Folks, when I laid my eyes on my friend, and I saw him just passed out just like that in the middle of the room. Listen, for the very first time, I saw the reality of sin. You know, I saw the shame of sin. I saw the emptiness of sin. I saw the, the futility of sin. And folks, I know at that moment, I had to make a decision. In fact, everyone say decision. decision. At all campuses, everyone say decision. decision. Yeah, I had to make a decision. Whether to stay there with those friends the rest of my life or leave all that behind and start pursuing the Lord and surrender my life like never before. And folks, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, that moment, listen, I burned all of my bridges from the past. I left all that life behind and I started pursuing the Lord over 20 years ago like never before by the grace of God. And folks, let me just bring that whole story of my friend over to 
my teaching for today because family, what an example of the defining moments that all of us at one point in our life are going to face. And by that I mean that just like I in that room, right, when I laid my eyes on my friend, I knew this was a defining moment just like that. And here's the main idea as we open up God's word today. Folks, they are, in our lives, they are defining moments where God shows us the reality of sin. And folks, it's a great, it's a wonderful moment where you no longer, no longer see sin as something so great, as something so amazing, as something so beneficial. But folks, you start seeing sin for what it really is. And folks, the decisions that you make at that moment in your life goes on to chart, regardless of what you do, goes on to chart the rest of your life. See, for some of us, we had that defining moment, that defining season years ago in our lives, and our life was never the same. For some of us, we might be sitting here right now, and you might find yourself in the middle of a, the defining moment, that defining season in your life. And some of us, our prayers at some point in the near future, you're going to have the defining moment as well. And so you're probably wondering, well, Omar, when we come to those defining moments in our life, what do we need to know in order to make the right choice? Well, folks, we're going to find out today from an ancient story in the book of Exodus chapter 2 of a man named Moses, all right? So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Exodus chapter 2 at all campuses. And folks, today I have two important thoughts on how we should respond during those defining moments. Christ Fellowship, are you ready to, to, to dive into God's Word? Let me hear you. Come on. Let's praise God today. Here's the first point that you can write down if you're taking notes. And here we go. And that is that God leads us to a defining moment in order to make a decision. So folks, let's go to the passage for today and listen to what it says. So one day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and he what, church family? Yeah, he looked on their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew one of his people. The folks stop right there and slip into the scene. Because last week we learned about the story of Moses when he was an infant, when he was just born. And folks, we saw how God miraculously, right, with his sovereign hand, protected that little baby all the way to it got to Pharaoh's daughter's place. And she eventually adopted Moses to be her own son. And folks, from last week to this week, from just one verse to the next verse, listen, we now fast forward 40 years into the future. And now Moses is not a little infant, he is now a 40-year-old man. He is the grandson of Pharaoh, the prince of Egypt. Uh, Moses had more riches than anybody in the world. Folks, Moses at that juncture could have any woman he wanted. Uh, he had the best education money could buy. He had the most power out of anybody on earth. To the degree that God's word says in Acts chapter 7, that Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. Which means, listen, that Moses at that juncture not only had the best education, the best intellect, but folks, he was somebody with impressive appearance. He spoke well, he was impressive, and so he was somebody who everyone knew who Moses was in Egypt. And family, at 40 years old, at the prime of his life, he went out and he looked on the burdens of his people. And family, this was a defining moment in Moses' life. Now, it's important to understand that there's a big difference between a life-changing event to a defining moment in your life. You see, a life-changing experience, it's a shift in circumstances or events. See, something happens in your life, 
whether you like it or not, and it just changes your life. It's a life-changing experience for the good or for the, or, or for the worse. But folks, a defining moment is different. You see, a defining moment is when you come, what happens when you come to face-to-face, listen carefully, with a truth about life that invites you to change the way you live. It's a moment in time when you're face-to-face with a truth about life and listen carefully, it demands that you make a decision. And folks, once you've reached that defining moment in life, regardless of the choice that you make, your life will never be the same. And folks, this was a defining moment for Moses because for the first time he saw the reality of things. You see, whenever he would think of the Hebrew people, his people, he thought, well, these are just good people who are just building, uh, you know, uh, cities for the, for the Egyptians. But when he went out there and he looked with his eyes and saw the burdens of the people, folks, for the first time, he did not see Egypt as this benevolent, good empire, but he began to see Egypt. He began to see uh, Egypt for what really was an oppressive empire. And folks, when he saw the oppression, everything changed. And family, even today, listen, there's so many people that walk around and they're living life. And in their mind, listen, everything that this world has to offer, all these fleeting pleasures of sin are so good. It's so beneficial to me. It's what I want, right? For so many people, they just walk around with this type of view of life. But folks, one day it's different. One day God shows grace to you, he opens up your eyes to see the reality of sin, and now everything changes. The way you see something, the way you view life, the way you view sin now changes, and you begin to see things for what they really are. And folks, that is what we call repentance. You know, there's a moment in your life, the word repentance, it literally means to change your mind. In the, original, in the original Greek, it just means to change one's mind. And folks, repentance is it, it, it's, it's coming to a point where you see something and before you saw it one way, but after you repent, you no longer see it the same way. Why? Your mind has changed. And folks, who knows, maybe you're here right now. Maybe you're watching online, maybe you're at one of our campuses, and that's exactly in the stage of life that you're at. Man, you've been living life, but something in about this season in your life, listen, you're beginning to see things differently for the first time in your life. And you're starting to see the real consequence of sin. And folks, when you come to that defining moment, to that defining season in your life, listen, there is a decision that you need to make. Either, write this down, letter A or B, either A, to stay enslaved to the fleeting pleasures of this world, or B, to be set free to enjoy the eternal blessings of God. So folks, listen to what happens next. It says, so he looked this way and that way, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian, and then he hit him in the sand. And when he went out to the next day, Behold, two Hebrews were struggling with each other. They were fighting. And he said to the men in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And, she, and, she, and he answered, who made you a prince over us, Moses, a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And folks, between verses 11 and 12, right, there was something inside Moses that when he saw the reality of Egypt, the oppression of this Hebrew, something happened, right, that it was a defining moment in his life. He could not contain himself and he did the unthinkable and actually killed that Egyptian. And as we just read, eventually he was found out and his, and his grandfather, the Pharaoh, heard of it and he wanted now to kill Moses. 
But folks, the important lesson that I want to just draw out of here from this passage in Scripture is that Moses on that day made a decision. He made a decision to side with the people of God to begin following the God of his forefathers instead of remaining in the life of, of Egypt. And so folks, at that moment, it's almost like he took a match and he began to burn all the bridges back to his old life of Egypt. He, he was burning all the bridges to all the pleasures, to all the temptation, and he knew he needed now to be with the people of God. And folks, listen, for some of us, we have been walking with the Lord for quite some time already. But the truth of the matter is that you yet have, you know, you, you have yet to burn some of the remaining bridges to your old life that you used to struggle with and still struggle with. So for example, some of us haven't burned the bridge to that specific relationship. Perhaps it's that dating relationship that you know is not honoring God. For some of us, it's that relationship that we have at work that we are in an adulterous relationship and we refuse to burn the bridge back to that person. For some of us, it may be certain friends. For some of us, it can be maybe my buddies from work, my buddies back from school, my girls from that place. And so what happens is every single time you don't want, you want to stay surrounded by the same people, but you refuse to distance and burn that bridge. For some of us, it's a lifestyle. Maybe what we do on every Friday night, Saturday night. And so you're trying to walk with the Lord, but you still haven't burned that bridge. And guess what? You're still struggling. For some of us, it may be an addiction or a bad habit. It could maybe be uh, alcoholism. It could be drug abuse. It could be uh, pornography. It could be some sort of normal thing, but you've gotten so habitually addicted to it that it's no longer good. For some of us, let's be honest, it's the love of money. You're so consumed, if you're honest with yourself, with this, with this love of money that you're not generous, that it's all about you, it's all about who you are. And so what happens is you in your mind, you believe that money is the one who provides for you and sustains you and is the most important thing in life. And for some of us, listen, it's the, maybe the love of attention. You know, you're so consumed with how you look, of what people think about me, of my perception, of what people view me as. And let me tell you, even social media doesn't help with that sin struggle, right? Because now it's all about how many likes, how many views, all these different things. What are people saying about me? And here's the thing, that is part of your life. Instead of focusing on what really matters, you are still tied up to that one thing. Listen, for some of us, listen, who are maybe are not yet in Christ, maybe you haven't burned with your bridges for any of this and you're still apart from God. But folks, here's the reality. The question you need to ask yourself is have you burned your bridges to your old life like Moses did? And you might be thinking, Omar, listen, I feel like you're preaching to me. Because I need that. I, I, I want that. I've been longing to be able to move forward in my life. So, so how do you do that? Well, very simple. Write this down as big number two. Listen, you are set free through faith in Christ. Amen. Can I get an amen? In fact, listen to what it says in the book of Hebrews. It says, by what, church family? Oh, it's not up there yet. Quit the scripture? No? We were having trouble in the first service too. But anyway, it says, by faith. Moses, when he was grown up, it says, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be, mis to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And he considered the reproach of Christ, get this, the reproach of Christ, greater wealth 
than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. And this is, it says, by faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And see, folks, the way that Moses was able to leave that old life behind was simply by faith in Christ. Now, Moses didn't have, didn't know Christ like we know Christ, right? You know, keep in mind, Moses lived over 1,500 years before Christ. But here's what I want you to show. In fact, I think we have a, a, something for the screen. Yeah. So he was living 1,500 years before Christ. So here is what Moses put his faith in. His faith was not only in God, but get this, but the promise that God had made his people that eventually he would send the Messiah. He would send the Christ. He would send the Savior of the world. And folks, that is what Moses clung to and put his faith on. Amen? And folks, here's, what, here's what's amazing. That was the object of his faith. It was a promise of the future Christ. And folks, that faith that Moses displayed here is simply just not an acknowledgement that God exists. You see, there's so many people in this world that if you ask them, do you believe in God? Are you a Christian? They say, yeah, yeah, I, I believe that God exists. Let me tell you something. That is not true saving faith. The Bible says that even demons believe and shudder. Because true saving faith is a deep, life-changing, radical changing faith. Amen? Amen? It changes your life. And folks, and here's why. It's because the reason it's life-altering, it's because faith is the assurance. Right? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Don't miss this. Moses had so much assurance in the promises of God, listen, that it led him to radically change his life and leave and distance himself from the people of Egypt. And folks, listen carefully. If Moses radically changes life just with the promise of the future Christ, not really knowing who it would be, what he would do, nothing about the... Imagine what us who are on the other side of the cross, who know who Christ was, who know what he did, who know, we know what he taught, we know the example, how he served us, everything about our Lord. How much more radically should our lives change now that we're on the other side of the cross and we know that everything that Moses didn't know about. Amen? And listen carefully. If your life has not radically changed, there has been no change in life since the moment you started your walk with Christ or started coming to church. Listen carefully. It's because there is no assurance in your heart about the promises of God. Now let that sink in. If your life has not changed, regardless of what you say, it reveals there is no assurance in your heart that God's promises will be fulfilled in your life. And folks, a great, the, the classic example is that of a chair. You know, we all know a chair, right? We all walk to one of our um, uh, campuses or maybe you're watching. And here's the reality. When you walked in to whatever campus you're in, you walked up to your chair and I guarantee you, no one of, not one of you ever thought, is this chair going to hold me up? You just what? You walked in, you found your place, and guess what? You gave, you, you know, you, you gave way and you sat down because in your mind, there's an underlying assurance that this chair is going to sustain you and is going to do exactly what it promises to do. And therefore, you acted radically. And why do I say radically? Because listen, no one in their right mind, as you're walking, 
right? No one in their right mind comes to a point that says, you know what, I'm just going to give my weight and just go down, right? That's, that's weird. That's odd. Right? Because you have no assurance and nothing's going to hold you up. But the reason you do something as radical as giving up, right, and, and releasing your weight and sitting down is because, listen carefully, in your mind there is assurance that the seat you are sitting in is going to sustain you and do exactly what it says it's going to do. And folks, same thing with anything in our lives. Listen, when you don't, when you don't uh, take a step of faith in your life, it's because ultimately you don't have assurance in your heart that God is going to do what he says he will. So for example, you don't leave that sin behind in your life because deep in your life you don't have assurance that God has something better for you. You don't leave those group of friends, those people, that relationship, because in your, own, in your mind, you are not sure that God has something much, much better than where you're at right now. You know, you come to a point when someone wrongs you that you retaliate and you get back at someone else because there is no assurance in your heart of the promise of God when he says, beloved, my children, never avenge yourself, leave the vengeance to me. There's no assurance, therefore you retaliate. Listen, you don't give back to God and you don't honor God with your giving. Here's why. It's because you don't have assurance, you don't really believe that God is going to provide for you if you honor him with your giving. If you were sure, you would honor God. Listen, you don't, you don't come to a point where, where in a situation, right, you don't, you, don't, you don't come and you give control over to God because ultimately you don't have assurance that God has full control over that issue in life. And so therefore you try to take control because you don't really believe God has control. You see, at the core of it, when you don't take steps of faith, it's because you're not sure that God will fulfill his promises. But folks, when we look, when it, when it comes to Moses, listen, his faith had assurance, amen? amen? To the point that he put his trust in God and left everything behind. And family, listen, Moses' faith so radically changed him in such a way that, first of all, write this down as letter A, he had now faith to endure mistreatment. Now, let's go back to the verse and listen to what it says. It says, by faith Moses... When he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be what, church family? To be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. See, folks, there's going to be moments in our lives that when you start following the Lord, that God's people will endure physical and circumstantial mistreatment and suffering. And listen, we can, we don't need to look far. You can open up your phones, the news, and you see the reality of this. Have you noticed that in this world, you can never do anything to a specific group of people unless the whole media and everyone attacks you? You can't do anything to the Jewish people. You can't do anything to the Muslim people. You can't do anything to the LGBTQ community, right? If you do anything, get ready, you're going to have it. But when was the last time that you saw anything about someone going after Christians in the news? Right? Why? Because there's something about when you join the people of God, God promises, listen, you will be mistreated. You know, when you as a person, you start following the Lord and your co-workers start to realize what you're doing, you're, you're changing, you, your family, the people, your old friends, listen carefully. They might not, either they might say something, ridicule you and make fun of you to your face or worse, they might do it behind your back. But guess what? Oftentimes when we start walking in the ways of the Lord and fully commit, get ready, oftentimes we are ridiculed for our faith. Amen? Amen. And listen, young adults and students, you are at a crucial season in life. Because even though we are all older, right, middle school, high school, young adults, listen carefully, we know what it means, what it means to grow up in, the, in, in, in school. And listen, there's going to be moments that when you stand up for your faith, 
when you stand up for what God's word says, when you try to live a life that honors God in face of the peer pressure, listen, you might be ostracized, you might be ridiculed, but at that moment in life, remember the example of Moses. Where he'd rather be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Can we encourage our young adults and students today? Can, amen. Second, write this down as letter B. Faith that looks to the future rewards. Now folks, listen to what scripture says. It says, he considered the reproach of Christ greater what? Wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he, Moses, was looking to the what? To the reward. Now folks, think about this. Moses, as Pharaoh's grandson, had seen and had access to the vast treasures in Egypt. In fact, growing up, he probably played hide-and-go-seek with his friends and with his, his cousins, right, in the middle of these beautiful, vast treasures, right? That, that's, he, that's how much access. So Moses knew better than anybody in the world the true treasures of Egypt. And folks, if he would have stayed in Egypt... He would have been able to enjoy all those treasures the rest of his life. But he knew that God Almighty, the God of his forefathers, right, he promised him that one day he would send the Christ and the spiritual eternal blessings that he would have through the Christ of God will be much greater than all those riches that he experienced when he was growing up. So it came to a point that he was looking for that reward. Amen. And listen, the same way, God looks at you and says, listen, if you follow me, if you begin to serve me, if you begin to love me, if you begin to follow after me, listen, I am going to reward you. So for example, when you leave things behind, when you turn down an opportunity for the sake of honoring God, God says, I see that and I will reward you for that. You know, when, when you spend time serving God, when you wake up early on Sunday mornings, stay here a little later on Sundays, do something throughout the week to serve the Lord. Listen, when nobody else is doing it, God sees it and he says, you know what, I will reward you for that. When he sees you honoring him with your giving, sacrificing, saying no to certain things to be able to honor God, and you give to the Lord, he says, listen, I see that and I will reward you. And listen, when it comes to the point where you need to help someone, where you sacrifice your own comfort for the sake of the glory of Christ, listen carefully, the Lord says that, says, says that even though nobody may see what you're doing, the Lord sees and he will reward you. You see, family, there has to, there has to be something in your life. Listen, child of God, listen carefully. There has to be something in your heart that when you look at all the things that this world has to offer, something has to happen when you realize this compares nothing to what Christ has promised me. Can we praise God today for that? And then lastly, here's the last lesson Moses gives us. Write this down on letter C. It's faith that identifies with the people of God. Now, listen to what it says one last time. It says this. It says, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be what? Called. The son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated. What's the next small word? With. With the people of God. And folks, I love that. Because he knew that if he was going to follow God, Listen, he had to remove himself from the Egyptians. And he had to get rid, stop being surrounded by the Egyptian people and surround himself with the people of God. You see, the reality is that God came to a when Moses came to a point that he knew that there was no way that if he was truly going to follow God, that he could stay in the same circumstances. He needed to leave the Egyptian people and identify himself and surround himself with the people of God. And listen, child of God, God's vision for your life 
it's not that you would just say, yeah, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ, but I'm still surrounded by Egypt. I'm still surrounded by this world. I'm still surrounded by all these other people that are no are dragging me down. God's vision for your life is for you, listen, to leave that, to leave all that and identify and join yourself to the people of God. Imagine if Moses at that juncture never left Egypt. What would be his future? Nothing. But because he trusted God, he left and he joined and he identified with the people of God. And listen, perhaps the reason you're sitting here right now, you are a believer, you are a child of God, but you are still struggling in your walk with the Lord. Could it be it's because you never took that step to surround yourself and identify yourself with the people of God? You're a child of God still living in Egypt, surrounded by the world, surrounded by those people that you know ultimately are not living for Christ. And no wonder you've been here five years and you haven't grown in your relationship with God. No wonder you gave your life to Christ but you haven't seen no improvement. Why? You're still in Egypt. Leave Egypt and identify yourself with the people of God. Amen? And you may be wondering, Omar, how do you do that? Where is a place where I could surround myself with people who love the Lord, who are going to help me, encourage me? Where can I find that, that, that sense of community? Listen, even though we love gathering as a large group of people here, this is not, that's not where you form those relationships, those friendships that you are so in need of. You see, the environment that we at Christ Fellowship has created specifically because we know your need to be surrounded by other believers is what we call small groups. This is large group, small groups. It's our midweek Bible studies that happen all throughout the week where you get together in smaller groups to study God's word. You form friendships with other believers. You get to know them. You laugh. You pray for each other. And you are on a mission together to serve the city for Christ, to reach the city for Christ. And so small groups are the place where you can identify and join yourself and truly start embedding yourself among the people of God. You know, going back to my opening story, after I saw my friend just laying there, I knew I had a decision to make. And so in many ways, I burned all my bridges, I left that place, and folks, listen, the next place I went to was I joined a men's small group. And folks, that's where my life changed. I started learning, finally learning God's word. I started developing friendships with believers for the first time. I started learning. And listen, my life was never the same. Because something happens in the middle of Christ-centered community that can never be replaced. And so listen, I want to challenge you. If you're here... And you're already a believer in Christ. He says, you know what, I, I, I need to take that step of faith. I want to grow. I, I want to mature. Listen, my challenge for you, man, is to join a small group. If you're already in a small group and I want to challenge you, treasure it, prioritize it in your life. Listen, if you want to join a small group, it's so simple. Listen, we have groups all throughout the week. If you're middle school, high schoolers, we know how important it is. We have at, on Wednesday night, every Wednesday night at 730 at all campuses, our students get together. On Tuesday nights, we have our young adult groups from ages 18 to 29. We know what an important season that is. And listen, for adults, we have men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, uh, co-ed groups, parenting groups, all these sorts of groups. And folks, these are just little environments where you can say, you know what, I'm going to get into one of these environments. I'm going to start growing in my relationship with the Lord. And so listen, here's what I want to challenge you. There's, there's two steps today. Here's the first one. If that's you, if you're here today and you feel like, man, I would like to know more information about small groups, it's very simple. On your way into the reason of an insert and there is a QR code. If you don't have that, it will be behind me. It will be behind me. There is a QR code. And I'm, in a few moments, I'm going to give you a moment just to, just, to, just to sign up for this. Listen, when you, when, you, when you open up your camera, if you don't mind, go ahead. If you, go ahead, everyone, go ahead at all campus. Go ahead and open up your camera really quick. And if we can go back, well, we'll, uh, we'll put that QR code back again. But you, when you go to that screen, you can just fill up your basic information, click join a small group, then you pick which small group you're interested in. And then when you click submit, somebody from our small group team is going to be able then to follow up with you and just give you some next steps. And listen, you're not signing up for life. You're just saying, I want more information. 
And we want to help you take, leave that behind and get and identify with the people of God. So I'm going to give you a few moments right now. I'll come back. But I'm going to give you a few moments right now. So if you feel God, just take out, you go to the website. Let's go ahead and put a QR code at all campuses. And if, just, if, it's, if that's you, go ahead and take some time just to fill out that form. And then I'll wrap us up. So again, when you fill that out, uh, you're going you're gonna to submit that. So we will follow up with you this week with more information. But on the way out at all campuses, there's also some booths that you can stop by there and get more information, all right? So make sure you sign up. Listen, it's healthy for your soul to be in the context of Christ-centered community. Now, I wanted to speak to some of us here today that your next step is not joining a small group. And I want everyone's attention now for a moment. Your next step is not joining a small group. But your next step is just starting a relationship with Christ. Maybe you're here for the first time because of a child dedication. Maybe you've been coming several weeks. But there's something in your heart that you know, there's something you know, you say, you know, I need God in my life. I, I'm tired of living apart from God. I've seen what this world has to offer me. I'm in that moment in life where I, I, just, I, just, I just need God. I want God in my life. So you're probably wondering, Omar, how can you start a personal relationship with, with God? Very simple. The Bible says, for those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you're probably wondering, well, Omar, how do you call on God? Is it by sitting here? I'm attending church right now. Is that calling God? Is it this little ritual that I did when I was an infant? Is it a tradition that I have to do now as an adult? It's nothing like that. You can do all those things and never have a true life-saving relationship with Jesus Christ. There has to be a moment where you put your trust and your faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. The perfect life he lived for you. The death that he died on a cross for your sins. For all the shameful things that you walked in the door with, he died for all those sins. He paid the price for you. And that he resurrected to new life to give you a future and a hope. And the Bible says that the moment that you put your trust in what Jesus has done for you, the Bible says that he, the first step he does is that he forgives you of all of your sin. Listen, all those sins that are hidden that only you know, God knows. He knows everything about you. And he still, he sent his son for you to die for you. He forgives you of all those sins. Then he brings you close and he adopts you as a son and daughter. You start a personal relationship with God. And from that moment on, listen, you start living a life with the Lord and a relationship with God where he walks with you and you walk with him. He, he guides you, you talk with him. You know, all this relationship that he envisioned for us until the day we die and we spend eternity with him. But there has to be a moment where you surrender. There has to be a moment where you say, I need God. I'm putting my faith in God today. The question is, will you do so today? And bar heads for prayer. My Lord God, thank you that you provided for us, who, for those of us who are believers, Lord, that we know that we've, we've been set free, oh God, and that you've given us eyes to see the truth and to, Father, enable us that if there's any remaining bridges to our own life, Father, help us burn those bridges so we can follow after you. But with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to speak to some of us here today at all campuses, that you're ready, you're ready to start a relationship with God. You want to put your faith in the Lord. And so in a few moments, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. But before I do that, listen, if you feel today, you're, you're here today, and you feel like, man, I, this is me. Listen, in a few moments, I'm going to just ask you to slip up your hand with no one looking around, eyes closed. Many people did in the first service. I'm sure many people are going to have it the same today. As, as a way of affirming to your own heart, yes, today is the first day that I'm starting my walk with God. So if that's you with no one looking around, with all eyes closed, it's a private moment. If you, if, if you are ready, with no one looking around, all eyes closed, just slip up your hand as an affirmation that yes, I'm ready. Anybody say, says yes, I'm ready to start a personal relationship with God on all campuses. I see you. Anybody else? 
in front. Anybody else? I see you as well. Anybody else? At all campuses. I see you, ma'am, at the right. Anybody else? Says, Omar, pray for me. And I'm ready to begin a relationship with God. Amen. Listen, you can put your hand down. Because if that's you, listen, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. Whether you raise your hand or not, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And when you pray this, you don't pray this to me. I'm only a man I cannot save. You pray this to the God who loves you. Amen? So pray this with me. Apply it to yourself. Lord, today I realize how much you love me. And I know I need you. So today, Lord, I confess all of my sin. And I ask you for forgiveness of sin. And I put my trust in you, O Lord. Save me. So for the rest of my life, Lord, help me to live a life that honors you, Lord, and brings you glory, O God. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.